a listener production. <clears throat> Take it away, my dulcet-toned Adonis. Hello, Gistners, and welcome back for another episode of Just the Gist, a weekly-ish podcast in which Rosie Waterland and I, Jacob Stanley, give you just the gist of what you need to know about a story we think you'll find interesting enough to bring up at a dinner party. Hello, Rosie. Hello, Jacob. Hey, I've got a special um, present for you. Here's this sound. Ah! <laughs> no. no, that is that is the sound of me saving the turtles. Oh my god! That is um, ba- <laughs> Jacob can't stand. I've got like my metal straw, and I have it in my Red Bull can, and it makes this noise, and it ah! makes Jacob. <laughs> Sorry, but I'm saving the turtles. Yeah, but you can do that with a bamboo straw. No, they please they for the love taste, of God. They feel weird in your mouth. You also said you were going to swear off straws because you were concerned about the lines forming mm-hmm. around your lips. But I so. can't drink Red Bull without it. I don't know. Something. I don't. I don't know what it is. I just. I need a straw. I can't drink a can without a straw. Mm-hmm. That's like that's I can't, an interesting skill deficit also, to have. Yeah, I know. I also can't walk and drink at the same time. So whenever I'm <laughs> holding a drink, like a water bottle or a can with a straw or anything, I have to mm. stop in my tracks, take a sip, and then keep going. Drives Caleb mm-hmm. crazy. <laughs> Just some I never weird, noticed that about yeah. you. <laughs> no, yeah. It's, you'll notice it now. It's a, I don't know uh-huh. why. It's like my body can't. This is why I'm scared to get my licence. If I can't even drink and walk, how am I meant to <laughs> operate the many part, moving parts in a car? I just don't think it's a safe idea. But anyway, we'll see. Um, how are uh-huh. you, my love? Very, very well, thank you. I'm in Melbourne already, eagerly anticipating our live shows and your solo live show as well. I know. It's going to be quite a big few days for me. So I've got um, my solo show, Kid Chameleon, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday nights, and then also on the Saturday and the Sunday we've got Just the Gist during the day. So I'm doing a mm-hmm. double feature. Tickets still available. Please come. But Just the Gist is sold out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sold out, we've mofos. Got some keen gistners here, yeah. We've got some keen gistners. So um, we've been blown away by how like popular the live shows have been, and tickets have just sold like hotcakes. So we're definitely going to um, come to a city near you, but also I think later in the year we're going to do another bigger, more mm-hmm. polished. <laughs> <laughs> tour because this one was really oh let's just kind of see how it goes I mean you all listened mm. to last week's episode it's pretty loose and then we were like oh wow people are really into this we should like maybe mm. you know make it a thing <laughs> thing so yeah we'll definitely tour a lot more this year I think yeah, with a bit of actual production put into it. Yes, but in the meantime, yes. you'll be able to enjoy the rough and ready <laughs> version. Would you like to hear some <gasps> breaking news? A breaking news. I got the scoop. I see extra, extra. Read all about it. A breaking news. It's coming down the wire. <laughs> It's just not the same it. without the audience chanting along with I you. I know though. it doesn't. I don't feel nearly as powerful doing it by myself anymore. That's different. Okay, here we go. Announced this morning. So the um, Hulu series uh, called The Dropout, based around 
Elizabeth Holmes mm. was going to be starring Kate McKinnon from mm-hmm. Saturday Night Live, which would have been great because she kind of has the right look and definitely has the deep voice. But she dropped out of the dropout. And now this makes me so angry because I know Elizabeth Holmes is going to love it. Playing Elizabeth Holmes in the upcoming Hulu series will be Amanda Seyfried. Oh, Karen from Mean Girls. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) She'll be good at that. Yeah, I think she'll be good at it. Um, She was recently in, um, well, she was recently nominated for an Oscar for playing What's Her Name in Mank, that movie. That's pretty Mm. much all I know about it. I haven't seen it. But, um, you know, yeah, I think she'll be good. I'm psyched to see it. And then there's also the movie coming out with, what's her name? Hunger Games. Oh, Jennifer Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence. She'll mm-hmm. be great at it. So she'll nail it, yeah. She'll nail mm-hmm. it. So, yeah, definitely um, stay tuned for Elizabeth Holmes content. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, okay, this is a big one. So ASIC, the Australian Securities and Exchange Commission, is that what it is? Secure- is that what it is? Investment? In uh, Australian security, I don't know. They're the people who go after people who do dodgy money things. Mm-hmm. Have dropped their charges against Melissa Caddick because they believe she's dead. Well, I guess they were uh-huh. like, you know, it, whether or not she's dead is a matter for the police to figure out. We just prosecute people over fraud oh. and money charges, and sh- you know, we've only got a foot, so we're just going to go ahead and drop those charges. So they've dropped the charges and the police are still saying we've only got a foot. So I don't know. So I think rec- maybe she, it's the perfect crime. She could have got away with it. She could have got away with wow. it. Wow. I know. For the low, low cost of just, <laughs> just one of her foot. appendages. <laughs> her, her foot and her one expensive ASICS shoe. Yeah. <laughs> but um, there's still civil cases against uh-huh. her business, like for people to try and get their money back, but the business has no money because I guess mm. if she has pulled a Swifty, it's all in secret accounts and stuff. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, so... ASIC was like, don't think there's precedent to charge a foot, so we're just going to not do that. <laughs> yeah, okay. That's freed up a lot of their time, I'm sure. I know. Um, oh, th- I love this one so much. So you know how the last few weeks the Palace, uh, like Buckingham Palace press people have been in overdrive trying to make Prince William and Kate and everyone look good because mm. of the um, Oprah interview. So there's all these mm-hmm. stories come out about the amazing things they're doing and there's been all these horrible stories coming out about Meghan that, you know, couldn't mm. really come from anywhere but the palace. It's very transparent. And um, very heavy-handed. <laughs> very heavy-handed. A few days ago, I think the uh, publicity people at the palace maybe went just a little too far in their zealousness to... Um, damage control and make William look good. Uh, Mm. He was announced the world's sexiest bald man. (laughs) (laughs) And everyone just went, "Mm, Stanley Tucci says what? (laughs) Like (laughs) Jason Statham, anyone? Jason Statham says what? Like, and it, it has backfired spectacularly because as soon as it was announced, everyone was like, 
Lawat <laughs> Soz William, but I don't think so. Um, and I wanted to know, like, okay, so, I mean, publicity people are notorious for being able to just, you know, pull awards out of nowhere and, and do, you know, orchestrate things to make their clients look good. And I was like, who who decided? What was the, Who voted for William yeah. as sexiest bald Who's man? Who's on the panel? Yeah, so I looked into it and it was a survey done by The Sun newspaper, which is already like a bit dodge. It's a big tabloid mm-hmm. newspaper over there. But the survey was actually done by, um, it, it, it was done by some like um, company that sells hair plugs. So it was mm-hmm. like they did it and they hired a bunch of like technology people to scour Google to see how many times a certain person's name was searched with the word sexy. Mm-hmm. So apparently Prince William and the word sexy were searched more than any other person. But I was like, but you're not talking about other words. Like maybe people were searching Prince William is not sexy. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> so apparently, um, <laughs> and so here's opposite the, of sexy. Yeah, opposite mm. of sexy. And here's the thing. So Prince William got the most results for his name and sexy in the same sentence when scouring Google. And you know mm. who came second out of all the bald men in, in on the planet? The Rock? Mm. Mike Tyson. so i mean someone in the palace publicity department is definitely earning their paycheck they went above and beyond for old willie Mm. this week but it has backfired because everybody Mm. it all it did was make everybody talk about like how he's not that sexy and it must be a mistake (laughs) So, yeah. Oh, yeah. someone's getting fired. This did not Whoops. work out the way that they'd hoped it might. Mm-mm. Didn't go well. Oh, and this is my final one. This is, I love this so much. So Donald Trump, that guy who was president for a while and is now just wandering around lost, not quite sure what to do with himself without rallies and oh, Twitter. Yeah. I yes, him. yes. So he has been spending all his time at Mar-a-Lago, the like resort country club that he owns in Florida. And people have weddings there and stuff because it's like a. I've you been know. there. Have you been there? Yeah. Have we talked in about West this Palm before? Beach. Yes, you've I told me you've been there. Mm, yeah. yeah. And yeah, the woman yeah. who took me there, she was so proud that this was President Trump's winter White House. And I was just so full of disdain Ugh. and disgust. And I was yeah. trying to just be a gracious guest. But of course, anytime she would bring up Trump, she I made it very clear how I mm. and all of Australia, I was speaking on behalf of my country. Yes. Um, <laughs> we felt all about hate him. him. But yeah, um, it's huge, it's elaborate, it's tacky. Ugh. Yeah. So people have weddings there and stuff. So anyway. Um, and I guess he's just wandering around desperate for an audience. And so he just gate crashed a wedding that was going on at Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, the guests were thrilled because you don't have your wedding at Mar-a-Lago unless you're a fan of Trump. But mm. he went over to the band, took the microphone off the DJ and started giving them a toast that lasted seven minutes, the first six of which were about himself. <laughs> So for six minutes, he talked about uh, how he's really unhappy with, you know, everything he did with uh, trade with Iran and China 
like getting overturned and he talked about how he was really unhappy with everything going on with the border in Mexico and then he talked for a really long time about the fraudulent election and how the election was stolen from him and it's all a scam and then in the last minute he was like, oh, and congratulations, many happy returns to the bride and groom. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. No wonder Kanye got along with him so well for a while. Thank you. They have so much in common. They can make anything about themselves. But isn't it just the saddest, like he just, uh, it's a little, not a little pathetic, it's very pathetic, but I also just the idea of him wandering around and being Mm. like, oh, a crowd, a microphone, like it's so (laughs) sad. What's he doing? Never once stopping to question, do they want to hear from me at this moment? Well, I mean, I'm sure they did, but just to be like, Congratulations on your wedding. Bye. Mm. Like not like it turned into a mini rally. <laughs> I love wow. I was about to say I love him. I love the ridiculousness of that situation. Mm. I love that he's not president anymore, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> is what I love, but oh, what a sad, sad, lonely man he seems to be. Yeah. And figure. I mean that's all my breaking news. Do you have any breaking news? Well, I've really just sort of got a wacky story that I want to tell you about that um, it sort of reached its climax on the weekend. So I might have mentioned in the past that on the Central Coast, one of my best friend's mums, a few months ago, she'd been out walking the dog in the bush and she walked past a man going in the opposite direction. And then a few hundred metres further down the track, all of a sudden he was there again. He'd obviously circled around through the bush Mm. and he was waiting for her. He had his pants around his ankles and Mm. he was just (gasps) shaking hands with Mr. Winky in front of her. No. Ew, what a Um, disgusting pervert. Why are men? Why Mm -hmm. are men? Yeah. And so my friend's mum just... I mean, she's a pretty tough cookie, so she just yelled at him, oh, put it away, and turned around <laughs> in disgust and huffed yeah. off. Um, rightfully, she contacted the police and made a report, and they weren't really able to do a lot with the information until more and more women started coming forward and saying the same thing had happened to them over the course mm. of a few months. Same guy, same description, all happening in the same area, so they decided to actually do something about it. They went out into the bush with some sniffer dogs and they found him, arrested (gasps) him, took him into the station. They ended up releasing him on bail on the condition that he wouldn't return to the area where he'd been harassing these women, but, of course, he went back there immediately, so he was arrested again the following day and they refused him bail this time. Anyway... My friend's mum was being kept in the loop by the cops every couple of weeks and then they told her, we've found him, can you come into the station to identify him, which she did. When she yeah. was there, they started talking to her about the setup that he had in the National Park because he'd been living there and apparently he'd been living there for years. <gasps> now, at first you sort of picture, okay, so maybe he had a tent and maybe he had like a bit of corrugated iron lent up against a tree yeah, or something yeah, to yeah. give him a bit of shelter, maybe a campfire but she told us that apparently he actually had a entire setup like he built himself a proper house and I was absolutely determined when I heard about this that we were going to go and find this location so my (gasps) friend and I set out the next day it was very (laughs) 
Blair Witch. But he's in we prison, went, right? Like he's, he's in, in prison. Yes. Okay, okay, but okay, my okay, friend okay, was okay. really freaked out because she said, yeah. "Well, what if one of his other um, homeless yeah. buddies hears that he's not there and decides to oh, go and move yeah. in?" She was freaked out. Like she took a lot of convincing, um, oh and she God, insisted on recording like, the whole thing on her phone. If you listen to my favorite murder, one of their main pieces of advice is don't go into the woods. What are you doing? <laughs> Don't go into the bush, Jacob, looking for a homeless <gasps> predator's cabin. I just had to see Freaks. it. I had to see it. Okay, so did you and find it? we found it. It was <gasps> so Blair Witchy. So as we were walking down this sort of crude track, the yeah. first thing that we came to was an outdoor above ground pool <gasps> with a full deck that he'd built there. Oh, my God, like he's he, living in luxury. I don't even have yeah. a pool. I know, isn't it crazy? He's been living there for years and he's just continued adding and renovating mm. to this shack that he created, walked a little bit further and found the actual house. I can't wait to show you photos. He had <gasps> windows, he had a door, he had a fireplace, he had another veranda, he had an outdoor gym set up for himself. Okay, okay, hear me out, hear me out, hear me out. If he wasn't a skeezy perv and, like, mm. harasser of women, I kind of admire his tenacity in the mm-hmm. face of brutal capitalism, in the face mm-hmm. of a housing crisis in this country where everything works for a select group of people who can inf- afford to buy investment property after investment property, pricing everybody else out of the market. He's kind of just gone, F that system. I'm going to go just build my own thing where I want. And it sounds Mm -hmm. like it's a lot fancier than most places I've lived. (laughs) And he made it very, very comfortable for himself. He had everything that he needed. He had a rainwater tank to make sure that he could stay well hydrated. Um, And he was getting Centrelink payouts. He'd just invented his address. So he'd set up a mailbox on a gum tree by the side of the road with a number on it for a house that did not act, well, the house existed, but the address did not actually exist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And no one actually checked to see if where he claimed to live actually properly, legitimately existed. And he'd been there <gasps> for years. Yeah, and when you when we got there and saw it, you could see all the, like, renovations that he was planning to do as well and additions that he was going to put onto the house. Like, he, he was just well, going to keep look, going I mean- with this thing. Jerking off in front of some lady, what's that take? Five minutes of your day? So he's got a lot of (laughs) hours to kill. So, you know, renovations, that's probably like his passion project other than the obvious. Working out, that gym he had looked like it had had some pretty good use. What do you mean gym? Was it gym, actual gym equipment? Actual gym equipment. Oh, see, I'm imagining like logs as dumbbells and like, you know what I mean? No. (gasps) Gym Proper like bench press equipment and dumbbells, Mm. yeah. Mm. Wow. Oh, my God. You have to post the photos so everyone can see. Yeah. Oh, my God. Maybe we'll just get the legal team to tell me whether or not that's okay because, you know, he's about to stand trial. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, okay. Yeah, we'll check. We'll check. But you can show me. I won't tell anyone. I Um, certainly will. I just, I'm really gobsmacked. You went full Mm. on Nancy Drew this week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll also send you one of the the videos. 
couldn't resist, had to yeah. go and see this thing for myself. But we were freaked out and there was a hilarious moment when a blue tongue lizard like rustled in the leaves and I jumped out yep. of my skin. I screamed, yep. I farted and yep. birds <laughs> flew away in fear of me. Um, and, yeah, that was captured on film as well. Oh, wow. You are yeah. just, a, you are like a member of the Scooby-Doo squad. I'm so <laughs> impressed. <laughs> Meanwhile, today's the first time I've left the house in like four days. So (laughs) (laughs) huzzah to us both living exciting, fulfilled lives. Well, Mm. that was really unexpected. I'm glad you saved that for breaking news. (laughs) Okay. I guess. Wow. All right. Breaking news. And you're also telling the story today. So I can... Open another Red Bull because Caleb's on. Um, Caleb is a journalist at the Advertiser here in Adelaide. Mm. For those of you who don't know, and this week he's on um, early shifts, so he's getting up at five a.m., which means I'm also waking up at five a.m. So we're now recording, and it's twelve thirty here, and I am ready for bed. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fucking night- oh, it's an effing nightmare. <laughs> Meanwhile, I just got out of bed one hour ago. Ah ha ha. Alrighty, cool. What's your story, yes. my love? Oh, well, in the spirit of adventure, um, the last story that I just told you in Breaking News, um, I guess that segues nicely into telling you the story of Forest Fen's treasure hunt, um, which is something that you've actually mentioned a couple of times on yeah. the podcast previously, and that um, inspired me to do a bit of a deep dive into the history of this treasure hunt. And yes. what I found out was just mind-boggling and so entertaining. So I'm really excited to get into the detail of it. It's the weirdest story and I feel like it's just exclusively something that has interested, well, we call them bogans here, but it's in the US. So what's Mm. that? Rednecks? Redneck. Hillbillies. Rednecks, hillbillies. Yeah, in Australia we call that bogan. But I mentioned it the very first time way, 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 way back when we first started. One of our earliest episodes, I think, I had just watched that amazing documentary on Amazon Prime about uh, Loretta Bobbin, the woman who cut off... Lorena Bobbitt. Lorena Bobbitt. What did I say? Loretta Bobbin. Loretta Bobbin. (laughs) Can you tell I've been up since 5am? Loretta Bobbin. Lorena Bobbitt. (laughs) That's like when... That's like when John Travolta got up at the Oscars and instead of saying, <laughs> he goes, what did he say? The, oh, what did he say? The delightfully wicked Adele Dazim. <laughs> yeah. But her name was Adina Menzel. And we shouldn't laugh because apparently he has dyslexia, but also we can laugh because he's in Scientology mm. and they don't let you treat your dyslexia except by their own weird ways. So his mm. dyslexia, clearly, Scientology is not helping it, and that's kind of funny. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's what that reminds me of. <laughs> Loretta, <laughs> what did I say, Loretta Bobbin? Adele Dazim. So <laughs> I'm so tired. I'm delirious. That Amazon Prime documentary about Lorena Bobbitt... Mm-hmm. that we did way back at the start. Um, I did an episode on it because I'd just watched that. And um, she, of course, cut off her husband, John Wayne Bobbitt's penis because he was horrifically mm-hmm. abusive and stuff. But um, I'll go back and listen to that episode. It's amazing. But her husband, John Wayne Bobbitt, 
went on to, like, you know, do porn and stuff with his reattached penis. But then what he sort of ended up doing in the end was spending a lot of time and money and years looking for the forest fen, fen forest, what's it called? Treasure. Forest fen treasure or just the fen treasure? Forest Mm. fen, yeah, the fen treasure. Um, And so I mentioned it then. It's a treasure that some guy's hidden in the forest and John Wayne Bobbitt went looking for it. And when I mentioned it then, I just thought it was a dumb thing because I was like, John Wayne Mm. Bobbitt is just an idiot. If he's looking for it, then it's almost certainly some kind of dumb old wives' tale and it doesn't even exist and what a stupid, stupid, awful man. But then, I think it was about six months ago, I read that someone had found it. And so I mentioned it again in breaking news. I was like, remember that random thing that John Wayne Bobbitt was looking for and we thought it was dumb? Turns out it was real and someone mm-hmm. found it. So yep. that's all I know about it. Those are the two times I've mentioned it to you before. I don't really know anything else except it was no one even really knew if it was actually real mm-hmm. and then last year someone found it or the year before maybe. It was, yeah, last year, midway through yeah. last year just to give it away for you all, but we've mentioned it previously. And, yeah, when yeah. someone found it, that's when I was like, oh, I need to know more about this. Yeah. Um, so started researching it there. So let me fill in some of the blanks for you and give you the gist of the okay. Fen treasure. So Forrest Fen is the name of the man who'd hid the treasure, and he was a typical wealthy old white American man. He was born in Texas in 1930. He went on to become a war hero, blah, 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 when he retired from the Air Force. He set up an art gallery and dealership in Santa Fe, which became very, very lucrative. He was trading Mm. mostly in antiquities as well as artworks. And a lot of the stuff that he was trading were Native American artifacts. And in a lot of cases, the stuff he was trading should have been in a museum or returned Mm. to its rightful owners. But he came into possession of them thanks to colonialism, which allowed Uh, him to just keep raking in money. He was selling very expensive things to very rich people. And he was very Mm -hmm. proud to tell the world that his client list included people like Jackie Kennedy Onassis Mm. and Steven Spielberg and Steve Martin and John Wayne and (gasps) Cher. (gasps) Cher. Our (laughs) Lord and Saviour. Well, she did have that... um Back then they called it Indian. I'm an Indian. I'm a Native American thing going for a while. Mm-hmm. Back yeah. when was that? The 70s-ish? She yeah, late 60s, early 70s. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a lot of people just assumed and to this day still assume that she has Native American heritage. She does not. Mm. She's Armenian. Anyway. <laughs> she- well, it was, a di- it was different times. Different, different time, times. Yeah. But um, I love that this guy is just selling all this, you know, exclusive, like, precious Native American artefacts to rich people who are like, "Mm, yes, we're buying these because we support and love Native American people, but really you're just Mm. stealing it from them and giving money to a white man who is profiting off their backs and the backs of how colonialism effed them over. Yep, exactly correct. I mean, so much of this stuff, he just had no right to be selling whatsoever. And, of course, Mm. in a lot of cases he was breaking the law. So he was trading things like human hair and human (gasps) bones, um, items that were, you know, they were stolen from sacred sites. That's bad juju. That is the plot of the movie Poltergeist. Their (laughs) house is built on top of a native Indian burial ground. And then the poltergeist comes. That's bad juju. You don't you don't do that with those bones. 
No, but he would just sort of brag like if those sorts of curses really exist, then I would totally be cursed and I'm not. So he did have a few small run-ins with the FBI, but because he was a white, rich, straight male, very, very, very wealthy, of course, he never ended up in any actual trouble, never faced any real consequences. Yeah. He just kept getting richer and richer. He built himself this super lavish compound. He had private planes. He had a full-time masseuse and he did what every eccentric rich person does and starts collecting exotic animals. His favourite was an alligator that he called Beowulf and he was living a very cushy life. Can I ask a question? Full-time masseuse. How many massages can you get in a day? (laughs) Like, what are they doing? That is, I mean, that's a good job if you can get it. Because what, one, maybe two? Maybe two Mm -hmm. if it's like a particularly luxurious day. And so then the rest of the time, what's the masseuse doing? Keep in mind, he had a compound, multiple homes in this place where all of his family was living and he did have a lot of guests coming as well. Oh, okay, so they're okay, okay, I get it. So they're doing massages mm-hmm. on on all the people all the day long. Oh, okay. That's right. Gotcha. On board, mm-hmm. following, yeah. good. Great. Um, all the money in the world, of course, cannot prevent you from getting sick, though. And in 1988, Forrest was diagnosed with terminal kidney cancer. He was 58 years old at the time. How could they he say he him- wasn't cursed then? There you go. Good point. Very good point. Um, They talked him through his treatment options. He agreed to go through with the chemo and the surgery, but they told him, best case scenario, you've got a 20% chance of living for another three years maximum. So Mm -hmm. he just accepted, okay, this is going to be the end. And he really was determined that he didn't want to just wither and die in a hospital. He wanted to Mm. give himself a death on his own terms. He had a lot of admiration for his own father who'd basically done that. He'd been in a similar scenario with pancreatic cancer a few years earlier and he'd Mm. made the decision to just bow out by taking a fistful of sleeping tablets and then just never waking up. So Forrest decided, okay, that's my style. I want to do that, but I want to do it with a bit more flourish than my father had. So he started planning this very sort of romantic death for himself where he was going to walk out into the Rocky Mountains National Park, lie down under a tree in his favourite spot, take a whole bunch of opioids, trip his Mm. balls off and then Mm -hmm. just fall asleep and never wake up. And the twist was... He was planning to die with a chest full of treasure right next to him because he had this vision that his skeleton would just lie there for years and years and years (laughs) next to this box full of some of his most precious items from his collection, like giant emeralds and gold jewellery that was more than 800 years old, and he would just lie there until someone found it. And part of the plan was that before he walked off into the woods, he'd publish a series of clues for where people could come and find him and claim the treasure. Mm. So he had this very grand idea for himself and really loved the idea of this legacy that he was going to create. And then he recovered Against all the odds, (laughs) he managed to beat cancer. He went into remission, all of the treatments worked, and Mm. five years later he was declared totally cancer-free. So 
there was no need for him to go wandering off into the forest to die now. He could just continue to live a happy life with his family, but he yeah. still just loved the idea of the treasure hunt. Yeah. So he spent the next 22 years collecting very special items, like super valuable artefacts, nuggets of pure gold, mm. rubies, sapphires, emeralds from all around the world. So making like an in- actual treasure, a tre- like not just like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, there's a bunch of, promissory notes in this box Mm -hmm. like he got a chest and put how how a kid would imagine a cartoon treasure exactly yes he wanted it to look very much (laughs) like a pirate's booty (laughs) he put it all in this bronze box that was Mm. itself incredibly valuable it was made in the 12th century out of bronze and when people would come around over the course of more box made out of bronze did I say bronze tri- oh. <laughs> <laughs> Just woke up. He'd show it off to friends when they would come around for more than two decades. Mm. Um, he'd show the new additions that he was making to this treasure and he'd tell them about how one day he was going to go and hide it somewhere in the forest and none of them really believed him. They just figured yeah. this whole idea of a treasure hunt was a bit of a pipe dream. But then in 2010... As he was getting close to his 80th birthday, he decided, Mm -hmm. okay, it's now or never. I have to pull the trigger on this thing if I'm ever going to actually do it. Now, by this point, there was somewhere between two and five million dollars worth of stuff in the treasure chest. Mm -hmm. And he went out on his own, wandered into the Rocky Mountains National Park and left the treasure in that very special place where he was years ago planning to end his own life. Mm. He later revealed that he'd had to make two trips because he was carrying a pretty heavy amount of treasure, like and he's 80. 40 kilos worth of stuff, and he was 80 years old. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I so probably he... couldn't even walk that far, so <laughs> come on now. So <laughs> what? Uh, he didn't confirm whether he'd buried it or not, but he just yeah. said that he'd hid it, and then when he was satisfied that it was well enough hidden, he walked back to the car, had a little chuckle to himself about what a devilish rogue he was, <laughs> and then a few months later he published his memoir, which he called The Thrill of the Chase. Mm-hmm. And this book was just 150 pages long. It told the story of his life and it included in it a 24-line poem. And he said that in that poem were all of the clues that you needed to figure out where the treasure had been hidden. Mm. And it's a terrible poem. It's very, very poorly written. If you don't like poetry, this will do absolutely nothing <laughs> to shift your perspective. And the poem itself, it's incredibly vague. Like, I can't imagine how anyone would be able to actually use it to figure out the location like, of the treasure. what kind of clues? Do you want me to read it to you? Uh, not the whole thing. No. How long is it? <laughs> how long is it? It's only 24 lines. Uh, just read a few lines, just so we can get okay. the idea. Begin it where warm waters halt and take it in the canyon down, not far but too far to walk, put in below the home of brown. So, Like a toilet. Well, a lot of people thought that. Later (laughs) on, there were a a lot of issues where people thought, okay, the home of Brown, it's got to be an outhouse somewhere. So they were going all around the Rocky Mountains National Park and its surroundings, digging up outhouses, assuming that this treasure had just been buried in shit. It reminds me of um, when I was little um, on Easter, my uh, mum would do this thing where she would draw a map and it had clues on it like that, like it would be like, um, so like the Easter Bunny had left it and it would say things mm. like, you know, 
into the bathroom you must scour to find some chocolate hidden in the shower. You know what I mean? Like, it kind of <laughs> reminds me of that. Like, it's so silly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it is. The whole thing, it is so silly and it's really childish because of the fact that as a kid he grew up just loving adventure stories mm. and pirate stories and cowboy and Indian-style stories. It's like he's created the real life, like, The Goonies. Did you ever watch that movie, The Goonies? I've had it referenced so many times in pop culture that I think oh. I understand what the movie's about, but I haven't seen the whole thing, though. He's like, he's created a real-life Goonies. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. Mm. And that's probably a big part of why this appealed to so many people. Yeah. Now, when he had the book printed, he self-published it, like I said, only a 1,000 copies. He didn't sell the books. He just mm. donated them to a local bookstore so that they could make all the profit off it because he didn't want to be accused of just baiting people into buying a book mm. to get this treasure clue poem. And then he announced to the media that the hunt was on and told the world that his goal was just to give people a really fun challenge and he wanted to give them a reason to get out of their homes and go and explore nature. He said he wanted to bring families together and also to bring a bit of hope to a country that was really struggling because they'd just started to come out of the global financial crisis and a lot of people had lost their jobs. This so, is attracting people like John Wayne Bobbitt. This isn't, you know, families taking their kids for picnics and having a little treasure hunt. This is like weirdos and losers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it yeah. did yeah. not yeah. end up being anywhere near as wholesome as his vision had been. But at the beginning, he was very yes. proud. He said that this is for every redneck out there with a pickup truck and six kids who's lost his job and his wife and his life's lacking adventure. This is something to help boost his spirits and bring his family back together. Mm. Sure. Okay. And so he's claiming that he's doing it for other people. Really, he's just trying to cement his own legacy. This is very much just driven by Mm. his ego and his desire to be remembered. Word got out. A man with an (laughs) ego? (laughs) From Texas? What? (laughs) Mm. Um took a few years to really build up steam, but by 2012, yeah. after just, like, two years, this has already become a bit like that movie. Did you ever see A Mad, Mad, Mad World? It's A Mad, Mad, Mad World. No. It's basically about a treasure hunt like this and people just losing their minds and doing very, very right. silly things to try to get their hands on the loot. More and more TV shows were reporting on it. Magazines were writing about it because it was just such a wacky, silly thing. And also because people were taking it so seriously. People quit their jobs. They moved into state. They just dedicated themselves to making their childhood dream of finding treasure come true. Well, and I guess also if you have the intelligence to say, okay, but maybe just not the sense to know that it's stupid, but if you're smart enough to go, okay, if I devote two years of my life Mm. to this and I get $5 million in the end, then that's an investment that will pay for itself. Sure, yep. Yeah, so that investment only pays off if, you know you're the one. Mm-hmm. And, you know, hundreds of people truly believed that they were the one. And then that expanded to thousands and then tens of thousands. By 2016, it was estimated that there were 65,000 people who were on <gasps> the hunt already. Yeah. And they were basing that estimate off all of the online communities that had formed that sort of created these online tribes that would work together to try to crowd solve where the treasure was. They called themselves... Well, how are they not finding it then? I know. Well, this is why 
after a few more years, people started saying, okay, there's no way the treasure can be real. There've been so many people looking for it in so many different places. It must just never have actually been there. That became a more and more frequent accusation that Forrest Fenn was facing. Uh, wait, okay, so when did he bury it? What year? 2010. And where are we at now? 2016. 2016, there were 65,000 people who were on the hunt. Yeah. Yep. Calling themselves? Fenheads. Fenheads, right, mm-hmm. okay. So no one's found it in six years. Correct, yes. So, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, I'd be starting to think it doesn't exist either. Yeah, but the Rocky Mountains is an enormous place. They knew that it was in the Rocky Mountains National Park, but that itself spans mm. across seven US states and two Canadian provinces. Oh, okay. It's, so it's not like 65,000 people just crammed into, like, a little national park. Yeah. It's a lot. Very spread out, Yes. Um, So they could all be looking and not even bump into each other. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, Wow. Okay. Yes. And, of course, because the poem could be interpreted in so many different ways, people were on the hunt in all seven of those US states at any given time. Yeah. And the vast majority of them, of course, had got it terribly, terribly wrong, but they were absolutely convinced (laughs) that they were on the right track. By 2019, Forrest Fenn was estimating that between 350,000 to half a million people had gone on the hunt for the treasure. And they weren't all full-time Fenn heads, but that's the Mm. number of people who had, at the very least, gone out and searched in real life for the treasure. So when you say Fenn heads, like, so they're all online, right, trying to decipher clues. Mm-hmm. And see, this is just like a healthier version of QAnon, isn't Very it? Very much Why can't so. QAnon people just devote their time to something that doesn't <laughs> harm anyone else like this? I bet you if there was a Venn diagram of people who were subscribed to QAnon beliefs and also got um, involved in the Fenhead communities, there'd be a big overlap. One big circle, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course, we know John Wayne Bobbitt was one of those very dedicated fen heads, mm. and he truly believed that he was going to be the one to find the treasure. There were also a lot of people who were fen heads that weren't even in the United States, so they were scattered around in places like Scotland and South Africa, and they were sort of teaming up with people wow. who were on the ground in America, mm. and they were helping to do their searches using Google Maps. Hamish and Andy even gave the hunt a bit of a crack on their TV show a few oh, years they? ago. Yeah, you can watch that on oh, YouTube if you want to. They hire a little team to Imagine help them if they find had found the treasure. It. I know. <laughs> and even they were sucked in because they found this guy who was a total expert fan head and they were like, Yeah. Okay, we think we trust yeah. you. We think you're right. But how can you be an expert fan head if you haven't found it? Mm. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But yep. it does, it kind of sounds like. One of those things, we've talked about this before, when people get sucked into things like QAnon and when people get sucked into things like anti-vax and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. at the heart of it is that it just gives them a sense of community. Mm-hmm. They have friends online. They have people to talk to. They have a purpose. They yep. feel like they're part of something. Yeah. And that is true for no one more than Forrest Fenn. He fully engaged with the community. He got more than 100 emails every single day. He responded to all of them. He would happily meet with people face-to-face. Yeah, completely. He would even invite Fenheads to come and visit him in Santa Fe. Aw, Forrest. Yeah. Uh, So this was, like, 
it very much was his life's purpose. And he said that he actually kind of hoped that he died before the treasure was found because he felt like he was going to be a bit sad if it was all over one day. He does strike Mm. me as being a bit like a cult leader and he really was basking Mm -hmm, in the mm -hmm, attention of mm -hmm. his flock and I think he loved how much control he had over these people and he loved sort of manipulating them as well into um, sort of falsely leading them to believe that he was going to give them exclusive clues, which he never then actually did. Oh, okay. Yeah. So if this this could have very easily gone down another road where instead of burying a treasure, he started a cult, Mm -hmm. but this just happens to be (laughs) what he did. I Um, suppose we're lucky. Yeah. And look, while he was very, very proud of what he had done, others had a very different point of view because what he'd done, in many ways, he'd created a really big nuisance. The police kept asking Mm -hmm. him to call this treasure hunt off because people were flocking to areas where they definitely should not have been. They were damaging Mm. the environment by digging holes and cutting down trees and trying to move giant boulders. And yeah, I remember when we talked about this in Breaking News, when the person found it, we talked about the fact that I think some people had died yeah. mm-hmm. looking for it. Yeah. Is that true? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, in the early stages, the nuisance was just that people were having to be rescued by helicopters. And right. So th- yeah. that's why the authorities were like, can you please stop this? It's really becoming a massive pain in the bud. A lot of people's private yeah. property was getting damaged as well, because like I said, people were you know, going and digging mm. up strangers' outhouses, thinking that they were going to find yeah. the treasure in there. <laughs> Dung. Um, and, yes, Ew. people were dying as well. So we know of at least five people went into the Rocky Mountains <gasps> certain. Five? Yeah, absolutely certain that they knew where the treasure was and then they just never came back. And, of course, those people, call them silly if you want to, but they had families and they had friends who were absolutely yeah. devastated. And that's... That's on him. Like, I don't, how would you legally, can he, oh, I suppose you'll tell me, but mm. I just feel like that's, that's, he is the cause of that. Yes. However, his counter argument, and this holds up in court, is that, you know, the Grand Canyon, at least nine people die there every single year from accidents where they fall in and they're not closing the Grand Canyon. He is also, he's not telling people to go find the treasure. He's just outlining where the treasure is. Uh, So I bet he was always very careful with his language and the way he worded it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Because he's a gazillionaire, like he's so ripe to get sued, especially in America where everyone sues everyone. mm -hmm. And they did try it. Hey, America, that's another another thing we all think about you. You all sue each other. It's really weird. (laughs) As we progress with this story, you'll see it starts to get more and more and more litigious. But, uh, yeah, the the families of people who died did try very hard to hold him accountable legally. Yeah. Um, I will say in his defence, when people went missing, he would pay for the search parties, but then he wouldn't actually accept accountability when the person was found and if there were people who were injured on the hunt, he wouldn't cover the cost of their medical bills. Really? Mm. Um, Interesting. I don't know how I feel about that. mm. I just, I feel like I can't decide in my head yet whether whether it is his fault. One time he said to a magazine, and this does sound kind of callous, um, if someone drowns in a pool, you don't drain the swimming pool forever. You start doing a better job of teaching people to swim. 
I'm not sure that that's yeah, really an but, apt <laughs> simile or metaphor. Um, but what does that mean? So are you going to start giving them easier clues? Like what? how does that even, mm. yeah, okay. He did actually on that point start giving people a few extra clues to try to like reduce mm-hmm. the risk levels here. So he narrowed the search area down to just four of the seven US states and he specifically right. said, look, the treasure is not under a rock. Stop moving rocks around. It is not underwater. So stop going out there uh-huh. with diving equipment. Uh-huh. He told them specifically at this point, stop digging up those outhouses because when I said beneath the brown, I was definitely not talking about feces. And he reminded right. them, guys, I was 80 when I went out into the forest to hide this stuff. Like it is not at the top of a mountain. I didn't scale any rock walls. Don't go chasing waterfalls because it's nowhere near a waterfall. It's weird because, you know, where he would have parked his car, got out, carried the chest in Mm -hmm. and left it, he can't have gone that far. But also the size of the place where people are searching, Mm. it is still just like a needle in a haystack, Mm -hmm. really. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the box is not really that big as well. It's like 20 centimetres by 20 centimetres. So it's... Yeah. Oh, it's small. Yeah. It's not a massive, massive Smaller than a ruler. Yeah. Um, Yeah, okay. He said as well, because so many people were telling him the areas where they'd looked, he said that two people had been within 100 metres of the treasure and didn't (gasps) realise it. But he would never reveal who those two people were out of the 350,000 plus. But that's messing with them because then everyone will think, well, it could have been me. Could have been me. And then they'll just keep going back. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, see, that is, he is, he's he's culpable. Mm -hmm. He's messing with them. Mm. Yeah. And he was having a great time. It definitely wasn't all smiles for him, though. He was having to put out restraining orders on people who were stalking him and his family Mm. members in the hopes that they were going to get information from him. He frequently had people trying to dig up his property as well, so he was having to call the cops on trespassers a lot. Also, Mm. people tried to dig up his parents' graves, thinking that there was going to be some (gasps) sort of clue in their remains. Yeah. and But how would he have put the... He's, what, 90 Mm. by this point? Like, what what, do they think he did that? Preemptively thought he was going to do it and 60 years ago, like, (laughs) that is so stupid. I know. I think this is what Uh. happens when you end up with those sort of group crowd-solving scenarios where people start to come up with wilder and wilder theories of um, what the truth might be. He was getting quite a few death threats as well and also facing these lawsuits. People who were injured were trying to sue him. People wanted compensation because they'd given up their jobs and lost their income to try to find this treasure. Oh, get lost. I know. They're holding him accountable for that. You didn't find it. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, please. Oh, stop suing each other, America. The most entitled guy claimed that because of all the time, effort, energy that he had put into the hunt, he was rightfully owed the treasure and he sued Forrest for withholding it from him. (laughs) Get lost. I worked a little bit hard at something, so I deserve a prize. Mm -hmm. Um, Why are men... Ridiculous, and the judge threw it out. I bet he moved. I bet. I bet that guy moved to the sunny coast, built a little hut in the middle of nowhere, and jerked <laughs> off in front of women. Started I bet it's that shucking guy. the corn in public. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, the court threw it out first and so he just brought it back to the court once again. He was just so adamant that this treasure was his and it's Forrest's fault that he doesn't have it. Can I just 
jump in here and explain to our US listeners that we have a thing in Australia where if you sue someone and you lose, you have to pay your court costs and their court costs. Mm. That's why suing people isn't really a thing that happens here as often as it happens to you guys. Because mm. in the US, you can just go around suing. Mm-hmm. And, like, if you lose, you lose, but whatevs, no big deal. Mm-hmm. No skin off your nose or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's so weird that they can just do that over there. Yeah, it's foreign to us and it really is comical. We love you Americans, yeah, but this funny. really is something that is hilarious and ridiculous to us. Yeah, so weird. Um, another thing that won't shock you is that some of the female finheads started to come forward and say that Forrest had sexually harassed them by frequently requesting nude photos. Oh, of course uh, yeah. he did. And okay. then, of course, those women became the target of a lot of victim blaming and hatred online. Of course mm. they did. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And then um, quite quite a few people have messaged me and asked why we haven't in breaking news or just in general mentioned the incredibly heated climate in Australia right now, particularly to do with um, sexual assault, harassment and mistreatment of women in our parliament mm. and within our political system. And I will just say it's because I've checked out of it. I find it incredibly upsetting. Mm. I just have been quite affected by it to the point where I cannot engage with it mm. daily in the news. And I think that that's, there's a lot of women who feel that way. Like I think it's really great that a lot of women are stepping up mm. and speaking and doing what they can. And But I just, to me... I, and I think a lot of women feel the same. It's too much. Mm. I can't. It's too upsetting. It's too triggering. So I just step back from it. Mm-hmm. And so when I hear things like, oh, he was requesting nudes, I'm like, yep, of course he was. Mm-hmm. Next. Yep. Not surprised. Mm-hmm. And when all of this was revealed to the media, he just said, nope, never did that. Those emails and texts are fake. And everyone chose to believe him and started uh, heaping abuse at the women. Of course they did. Yes. Of course <sighs> they did. Now, yep. Okay. Moving on. Moving on. Years went on. No one found the treasure. Like we said, the assumption started to become that there never was a treasure and that this whole thing had mm. just been one big metaphor and that the adventure was the real treasure and the friends that you made along the way made it all worth it. <laughs> So some people actually did accept that and were at peace with that. There are others who were just furious if that did turn out to be the case. There were also a lot of people who said that they believed that the treasure had already been found by someone who had then kept it a secret. Right. Yes. Now, that was possible, but Forrest fans said that he really doubted anyone would do that because the glory of finding the loot Mm. was worth more for these people than the actual treasure itself. And also, had he listed exactly what was in Mm -hmm. the chest? Mm -hmm. He'd published photographs. So, I mean, right, okay. So, I'm assuming because this is the US, legally if you found that chest and opened it Mm -hmm. and there was just a note in it that said, it was all about the friends we made (laughs) along the way and it was otherwise empty, Mm. like he'd get his ass sued, I reckon. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And probably successfully. Potentially, yeah. 
Yeah. The reason that a lot of people thought that the treasure was real and had been found is because they have massive taxes on when you find valuable things like this. So Mm. legally you would have to report it to the IRS and then you would lose 50% of the value, if not more, uh, to the government, which could be a reason why they'd keep it hidden that they'd found it. Yeah, keep it a secret. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. And then on June 6th, 2020, someone did (gasps) find the treasure. Finally, after 10 years of the hunt, a guy had finally found it, got in touch with Forrest Fenn, And a few weeks later, Forrest announced it to the world and he verified, yep, this guy legitimately did (gasps) find the treasure. He brought it to me so that I could inspect it with him. (gasps) Here's a photo of me with the treasure. He refused to reveal the guy's identity. He just said that he came from back east. Mm. That was the only identifier that he offered. smart. Mm -hmm. And he refused to reveal where the treasure had been. The entire time, which drove people really? crazy. Oh, tell people. <laughs> yeah, tell people. Mm-hmm. If it's been found, at least give them the solution to the to the puzzle. He wasn't willing to do that. Mm-mm. Oh, yeah. that's killer. So people were pissed. They were seriously convinced that whoever found it must have somehow cheated because they themselves believed that they were the ones who had the real answer. But if you had the real answer, you would have found it. Correct, so, yes. So, Soz. They accused... Soz loser. You snooze, you lose. Mm-hmm. They accused Forrest of having given away the location to someone as a way of ending the hunt. They accused Forrest of just having staged the whole thing and saying that the treasure had never actually been hidden anywhere. He'd just been keeping it in his vault the whole time. And there were also other people who refused to believe that it was over. They just went into full denial and said, no, this is just a sneaky trick to try to get us to stop looking. I'm going to look even harder now. I can understand that, though. Like, if you've devoted, you know, a few years of your life to this and it's become your whole community online and all your friends and your purpose, you wouldn't want it to be over. Mm. Yeah. But then the people who can't accept, like, accept that they've lost, they're just sore losers. Mm-hmm. Like, come on now. Mm-hmm. You just weren't smart enough. You didn't You didn't solve it. Yeah. Like, just didn't your parents teach you to shake hands and go good game and mm-hmm. that's it? Like... No. No, if their parents even tried doing that, it did not work (laughs) because instead they all lawyered up and started filing lawsuits. Of course they did. I love the US of A. (laughs) Mm -hmm. In July, he finally did reveal that the treasure was in Wyoming and that was all the information that he would give because so many people who were trying to sue him were claiming that they knew that the treasure was in a specific location and they were way off. And Uh, this was his way of proving, no, it was not in Arizona. It was not in Colorado. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha. It was in Wyoming. Oh, So I guess not telling people the location makes sense then because then you would get a lot of people going, that's exactly where I thought it was. Correct. Like I was a day away from getting it. Yeah. Okay. Plus it was also... makes no sense because if you knew where it was, you would have just got it. Mm. Oh, these people are so dumb. Yeah. He also didn't want to give away the location because he thought that a lot of people would go and sort of make pilgrimages there and it would end up destroying Mm. the environment. If you end up having a few hundred thousand people going to this one secluded location and especially if they take things back with them, especially if they start digging around thinking, oh, maybe a sapphire fell out of the chest somewhere along the way. Uh, Yes, 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 yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and also it was his sacred place. It was the place that he was once planning to lie down and die. Mm. 
So it's, you know, a special place to him. Yeah, meant a lot to him. Yeah. Um, he agreed to help keep the guy who found its identity secret because, like, mm. he kind of shared with him, look, I had a lot of crazies I had to deal with over the years. Avoid that if you can. And then yeah. a few months later in September of 2020, just two weeks after he turned 90 years old, Forrest Fenn died. Which mm, it's like he was waiting. Yeah, kind of poetic. He's holding on for that. Yeah. yeah, his life's purpose was done, and so that sort of then made it seem like okay, well, it's all over. The treasure's been found. Forest is gone. However, no, it was not over because some woman more lawsuits. Yes, a woman. Ah, I knew it. Who was a practicing lawyer who had been on the hunt for years. Um, yeah. decided to file a suit against Forrest Fenn's estate. And as part of that lawsuit, it was essentially going to smoke out the name of the man who found the treasure. Uh, and so... To what end? She just wanted to know who it was because then she was planning to sue him as an individual because she claimed that her phone and emails had been hacked by someone and that must have been how this guy found the treasure because he'd used her solve, which then made the treasure rightfully hers. Ridiculous. Oh, my God. I feel like I've said this ten times already, but if you had solved it, you would have it. Yes. <laughs> so that makes no sense. Zero. Yeah. Um, I think it might have actually just been a ploy to figure out who this guy was and for a lot of people they were just yeah. dying to get the closure of finding out exactly where the treasure was. That was the mystery that they yeah. really wanted to solve. So the guy who found the treasure knew that this was going to happen and decided he was going to beat the courts to it and he just revealed mm. himself to the media came forward and said my name is Jack Stuiff and I'm a 32 year old medical student from Michigan mm. I spent two years looking for the treasure I did it completely independently I didn't get sucked into the hive mind going on online with all the fen heads yeah. all I did was study the way that Forrest Fenn wrote and the way that he spoke in interviews and applied what I learnt about his verbal footprint fingerprint, sorry, to the yeah. poem that he'd written. And then I used those clues and I found the treasure. And he released... That's smart. Mm -hmm. That's really smart. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He sh shared photos of him with Forrest and the treasure in front of them as proof. Yeah. And he told the world, look, before I came forward, I invested in a whole lot of security the treasure is in high security vault somewhere. I'm definitely yeah. never going to tell you where it is. And don't even think about getting in contact with me because I'm never, ever, ever going to tell you where the treasure was. Yeah. Um, the lawsuit was thrown out. So he's not facing any mm. sort of legal charges now. He's won the treasure fair and square. He's got a lot of people out there who absolutely hate him, but he's made sure that he's mm. going to be well protected. And he is planning... Sore losers. Yeah, totally. He's planning to sell the treasure soon. He's not sure if he's going to mm -hmm. sell it all together as one collection or sell off each piece individually, but he's hoping that mm. he can find a buyer who's willing to put it on display somewhere so that Fenheads can go and actually see the treasure in real life for the first and time. What's it worth? Uh, well, that's the tricky thing because a lot of these things, they're pieces of art and they're worth what someone's willing to pay for them. Plus, because there's so much ah. gold and, um, you know, diamonds, rubies, that sort of thing, the, their yeah. value fluctuates quite a lot. So yeah, right. at the moment they're saying probably around the three to $5 million mark, but 
Not a lot, really. Not that much, but, I mean, this is the thing. If they auction each piece off individually, there's going to be a lot of people out there who mm. really want to own a piece of history. So yeah. the value of the item, because it was part of the Fen treasure, will go up significantly. But then he has to give away half of that on tax. Mm. So what's he going to end up with around a million Potentially. Maybe two million bucks. Which will be more than enough to pay off his um, medical school bills, which he said were kind of getting crushing for him at that point. Um, oh, and then his yeah, plan. That's another weird thing about America. <laughs> How much your university costs. Guys, yeah. guys, mm. guys, your country. Yeah. Student I mean, our university isn't issue. free, but it's not like it's not crippling. as bad as over yeah. there. Yeah, it's not crippling. Mm. And we have this thing where the government. Gives, like, you don't get a loan from the bank, like, because their student loans are from the bank, mm. hey? Like, our government does this thing called help and they they pay for your university and then only when you start making over a certain amount of money, the government just takes a bit of money out of your pay every week mm-hmm. until you pay it back. Yeah. So, like, I don't know. It's not, I wish it was free, but it's not as bad as it is in the US. No. Mm. Um, Nothing's as bad as it is in the US. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. So much of it's broken. (laughs) Sorry to tell you. Mm. I think they know that, though. Yeah, so he'll pay off his student debts and then he's planning to become, like, a financial investor guy, I guess. Um, Right. Yeah. Sure. And so Forrest Fenn's legacy lives on. Can I ask a question? Mm -hmm. And this may not be just the gist, so you may not have looked into it. But when you say he, like, broke down his he studied all his stuff and broke down his verbal fingerprint and, like, that helped him figure it out. Is, is Do you have any more detail on that? Like, was there, did he reveal anything? Like, so he talked like this and that made me think X and then I went and he didn't say anything. The only thing I'm he so did, curious about that. So he didn't give any details. The main thing that he said was... Mm based on how well he got to know Forrest and the sorts of things that he talked about, he recognised that yeah. Forrest's interest was in storytelling and narrative and adventure and at heart mm-hmm. he loved the idea of him sort of being like a pirate who was burying this treasure. Yeah. What he was noticing a lot of people were doing online were assuming that Forrest Fenn was like obsessed with games and puzzles and... Mm like logic challenges and that sort of thing, which he really wasn't. So what uh, Jack was essentially saying was that Forrest, he wasn't as sophisticated as a lot of people thought he was. And so that's why he'd chosen to work on his own, keep it really simple um, and just sort of put himself in Forrest's shoes where he was thinking more about romance and adventure than he yeah. was thinking about, like, tricky double meanings of words. Yes. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So he essentially just kind of, he just stripped it right back. Mm-hmm. Keep it simple, stupid. Yep. And he probably just parked his car, walked 100 metres into the woods, and there it was. Yes. <laughs> yeah. In the end, I bet that's what it yeah, was. Yeah, he said it was not far from the road yeah. at all. Mm. Yeah, of course it wouldn't be. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Uh, wow. Yeah, so a lot of people... Uh, you know, they've heard about this treasure hunt now. It's kind of become legendary and Forrest will be remembered. And also he's inspired all sorts of other treasure hunts that have started happening in the last decade as well. Oh, so other people have started their own ones. Yeah, individuals and also companies. And I remember years ago you participated in something that I think it was Virgin (gasps) Phones or something did. 
I think it was Virgin and it, or maybe it was Vodafone, I can't remember, but it was called Game of Phones mm. and it was one of the funnest days I've ever had in my entire life. But I'm pretty sure they've never done it again because people were, like, acting like maniacs. So they basically had... Um, it, oh, my God, it's hard to quickly explain, but they had this app and they had virtual things on the app. So you could be walking down the street in the city and all of a sudden a thing will pop on the app and it's if you go and take your phone over to where it is on the map, you get a, you know, $2,000 holiday voucher, mm. like just virtually. But then if someone else is near you, they can come over and put their phone within like five metres of your phone and they steal the voucher from you. And so anyway, it all came down to this one day where whatever you had at the finish time you got to keep Mm. and me and my sisters ended up driving like three hours out of Sydney chasing someone's car and then we got their thing and then they chased us back and they got it back and and at one point we had like almost ten thousand dollars worth of stuff and and it it was it it was the funnest day of Mm. my life yeah (laughs) it was the funnest day of my life but then we made a mistake we split up like idiots and this car came and me and Alira were there because, yes, we brought my sister's children and Antonio was with us too. It was so fun. And this car came and stole all the stuff from us. And so when the buzzer, like, rang, all we had was a unicorn mask. <laughs> we got cocky and we lost it all. But you didn't try to sue anyone to make yourself feel better. No. No, no, no. They they, they got us fair and square, the people who stole it mm. from us. But... um. It was so fun. It was one of the funnest days of my life. And, yeah, it, it, I can see why people get into this yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, you can definitely Puts relate to the Puts you into a fantasy appeal. world for a bit. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. One of the ones that I thought was most sort of clever because it made this guy a lot of money, he went and hid a million dollars worth of jewellery across different locations mm. and then he would sell the clues to people. So he ended up making much more ah. than a million dollars by selling off these clues to people who wanted to get involved in the hunt and were willing to invest That's in smart. the clue purchases. Yeah. So. And isn't that, um, I haven't done it, but there's that Pokemon game that you play on your phone and you find Pokemon on the street, mm. like on your phone. Mm. I don't, that's a thing. And that's still happening. People do that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's sort of all attributed to Forrest Fenn, the Forrest Fenn effect. Everyone's a kid at heart. Mm-hmm. Everyone just wants to be in the Goonies looking for magic treasure. Yeah. That's all anyone wants. Yeah. And that is the story wow. of the Fenn treasure that John Wayne Bobbitt was certain he was going to find, but he definitely did <laughs> not. Of course mm. he wasn't. <laughs> oh, my God. He has half a brain and a mangled dick. He wasn't going to find anything. <laughs> hate that guy. <gasps> that was really cool. That was way cooler story than what I thought it was. Mm. Yes, lots more wow. suing. Wow. And outhouses. Yeah, a lot more suing <laughs> and outhouses, yeah. Well, as soon as I hear the word under the brown, I thought, shit. <laughs> That's why I chose to read that line, I thought. <laughs> <laughs> You knew where I'd go. I knew where you'd take it. Um, there's a book oh, coming that was out. That a really good one. Thank you. There's a book coming out in May. I almost delayed telling this story until the book came out. It's written by mm. a guy who started off reporting on the Fen treasure hunt and then he himself became convinced that he was going to find the treasure. And so he writes about yeah. his whole experience. It's called um, the uh, Chasing the Thrill and that's coming out in May. I'm definitely going to be reading that. Um, 
but in the meantime, I'll share yeah. a bunch of links to some cool articles and videos yeah. from YouTube channels of Fen heads who had um, filmed themselves when they were going on the hunt and they were certain that today was going to be the day and you can watch them head Aww. out into the woods and then the crushing <laughs> disappointment when they come back empty-handed. <laughs> I love watching people's crushing disappointment. <laughs> I've said it before, I'll say it again, bring back the early days of Australian Idol where they showed you all the embarrassing people who were not at all talented and their dreams are crushed. Uh, one day that circle will come back around, I'm sure. <sighs> Dream crushing is one of my favourite genres of television. <laughs> and I guess with that, <laughs> um, yes, uh, well, that's it. Book tickets to my show, Kid Chameleon. We'll let you know as soon as more Just the Dish shows go on sale. Mm-hmm. We're really excited and they sell out very quickly, so book ASAP. And, um, yeah, yeah. Send us your suggestions. Follow us on Instagram, uh, Just the Gist Podcast. We're always bad at this part. We really are. Um, do the, the subscribe thing because apparently that's a thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, or, like, give us a rating, mm-hmm. I guess. <laughs> Lots of people in the ratings, like, talking about how annoying I am for various reasons. So go and have a read of some of those and, and give us five stars. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> apparently that helps. Um, Yeah. Love you. See you in a couple of days and we'll be back with all of you next week. Bye. Bye. Listener.